0: Everybody? this is a Accepted, the, the podcast. podcast, and I'm not Theo,
1: and I am not Juliet. Quit confusing our voices.
0: <laughs> we do sound so similar. Uh, so, how's everybody's week been? Uh, Theo, what's shaking, bacon?
1: Hey, it has been a fantastic week of work, 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 but also my birthday weekend. So, uh, my friend, happy birthday! Thank you, Yay. thank you, thank you! I cannot hear it enough. Again it is 18 several times over. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like, I remember turning 18 and how excited I was to turn 18, but then, um, then the target moved and it was like, I've got to be 21 and your target always (laughs) moves right now. It's like, I've got to get to retirement. Um, yeah but yeah, so we had friends come out and we went out for dinner last night, which was great in a restaurant in with walls. Um, we went to a place called Perla on Congress and so here's my here's my anti-commercial for Perla. I called oh. them last week and I was like, hey reservations party of four. No, sorry, we're all booked solid. Oh, okay, great. And then I called them on Friday thinking like, oh, maybe something's changed. And no, sorry, we're all booked solid. But, you know, if you show up, we might be able to like let you sit outside and we might deign to serve you some <laughs> you know, wine or yeah. something like, yeah. all right, cool. Maybe we'll go there for a drink. And so that was kind of our game plan. Um, I I wasn't really sure what to do with our guest. Uh, my friend Terry's been here several times. And then my friend Mario and Jim came with Terry and they've been to Austin once. So I want them to like really experience the city. And we spent basically Friday through Saturday afternoon inside my house. Cause we had dinner on uh-huh. Friday night and James made dinner and it was nice. And, it, but you know, it was kind of like, well, you want to get out and you want to see things. So let's, let's try and make that happen. And it just kept not happening. Right. Uh-huh. A series of whatever delays. And uh, so I was like, listen, I'm, we're going to go to Congress. It's a big walking district. There's, Tons of little bars and tons of little restaurants, and it'll be fun. And so we did that. And I was like, oh, here's Perla, the restaurant that didn't have any availability. And so Terry walked in to see if we could get, like, squeezed to a table outside somewhere. And no, they had plenty of tables inside. We got seated inside right away. Wow. No problem. And so Perla, I don't know what the fuck is up, but um, mm, we need to fix that.
0: How was the food?
1: Oh, superb. I mean, I'll I'll say for as poorly run as the reservation system is, they do make up for it with the food. (laughs) So I had a boule base and it was heaven. Um,
0: That sounds good. But
1: aside from that, I also got chocolate cake and chocolate cupcakes from Whole Foods. And I've got to say, holy moly, who knew that Whole Foods makes the best cake in the world? It was so incredibly good um excellent yeah oh, it was amazing and james was so jealous when
0: <laughs> did he's not gonna eat any of it well
1: so james also got me a cake from whole foods coincidentally oh, he did? yes he did
0: <laughs> was it a chocolate cake too
1: uh it was it was a chocolate cake with like vanilla cream cheese frosting and okay and it was good but I kept raving about the chocolate cake. And, and chocolate cake isn't like my favorite favorite cake, right? right I mean, right. I like it, sure, sure, sure. cake, but um, oh my god, it was so incredible. And I'm gonna have to get some. I don't know what the difference was between the chocolate cake and the chocolate cake with cream cheese frosting, but um, yeah. So anyway, he was like, "Well, I'm really glad that Juliet sent you your favorite cake." <laughs> so I'm sorry, James. Um,
0: That's good that he was there for your birthday. What? When did he leave? For
1: he left England? yesterday, and uh, okay, we left the house at four thirty in the afternoon. Got in the car at four thirty uh-huh. in the afternoon, which was exactly when he was supposed to be at the airport, which is oh boy. thirty minutes away. So the whole time he kept telling me to drive faster, hurry up, oh, no. drive faster, right? And it's like I'm doing fifty and a thirty-five. Oh I no. um, can't really go any faster than that. And not my fault that you decided to leave the house late, but there you go. Anyway, here very I true. am complaining about James. Uh, so <laughs> finally, he caught onto the plane. And so now he's away oh, for the next 10 days. And yes, um, he will be working like crazy. It will, it'll be not a, f- it'll be a very busy trip. I guess that's what yeah. I am say.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Well, we've all been busy at work lately It seems like everybody's been working tons of hours And doing tons of stuff It's not so fun So uh, hopefully this is like some astrological time period Or something where everyone has to work really hard And then it will end <laughs> like on Thursday And the moon will go into Scorpio Or whatever and everything will No,
1: be you don't want that, that's weird sex vibes That's bad times
0: <laughs> I don't know what a good sign would be For the moon to go into <laughs> Pisces Pisces. Yes. I like Pisces. So, so yeah. Um, I've been, like I said, yeah. And what about
1: you shaking bacon?
0: Yeah. Work, work is shaken, but I came to Arizona last weekend, um, which is why we had a repeat podcast. Um, I don't know if anyone even noticed, but we had a a replay of our Billy Eilish show last week because, um, I was going to be driving to, to Arizona and, uh, I thought I would be driving on Saturday and Sunday, but I ended up driving, um, all day saturday for like 14 hours to get here and then on sunday i was completely totally wiped out um but i am in arizona now and it's spring here the flowers are blooming starting to bloom anyway um i'm hoping i didn't miss all of spring and that it's just starting so i'll get to see some more flowers before i go home i don't know how long i'm going to stay here probably another couple of weeks but i am going to go to sedona um next oh my favorite lucky yeah sedona's nice So I'll be going there just to check it out again. I've been there a bunch of times, but it's always nice to go back and look look at the pretty things.
1: And do you get like tarot card readings when you're in Sedona? Should I? You should. It is the most mystical, magical city.
0: Is it? Well, I I know that they've got those vortices and all that. I've been to some of those.
1: Yeah, that's the whole. That's Sedona's whole thing. Uh, It's you know, it's a nice town for wealthy people who retire in and hang out in and all that, but yeah. uh, there's like a shit ton of psychics that live there and work there and cater. There's a whole like crystal and gem and meditation and Reiki and I don't know, name some other psychic-y thing. It's all there. I do know.
0: Do you do any of that stuff when you go? No.
1: No. no, I don't want people poking around in ask my you head. For a
0: recommendation. Her name
1: is Susan Sylvia Smith. And she lives at 321 7th Street. She's amazing. Okay, there's probably no.
0: somebody living there who's going to be.
1: Because Su- I'm so psychic, I just magically <laughs> picked that
0: up. No, I know they have a good yarn store, and I, I whenever I go, I usually buy some nice yarn for my knitting. But uh, I haven't been knitting I'm in sorry, two years.
1: A yarn store.
0: Yes, yarn is so A store for yarn? Y- of course. Where, how else are you going to get yarn?
1: Uh, I don't know. You go to like Walmart or Target no, or something and you go to yarn. an aisle.
0: That's the cheap, ugly yarn. No offense to anyone who buys their yarn at Walmart. Oh, yeah.
1: Here goes half of our <laughs> listeners, Michaels. our yarn audience. <laughs>
0: But they have the most beautiful, beautiful yarns and some of them in this one yarn store, I forget what it's called, they have like Sedona themed yarn color colorways so they're like beautiful reds and blues and just nice. Um, but and like I say, well, so the the act of collecting yarn or buying yarn Collecting yarn? Is, yarn. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. The act of collecting yarn is totally separate from the act of knitting. So I am a yarn collector more than I am a knitter. I buy yarn because it's so pretty. But when you knit it up, it looks different. And to me, it never looks as pretty. So I like to look at the yarn in the skeins. And I buy it and I put it, I have it here in Arizona on this table in the window. And so I put it out in bowls. <laughs>
1: okay, hold on. All right. You, and then I right, never stop, knew it. Stop, stop, stop. We, we have to go back like 10 feet and you're going to have to walk me inch by inch through this, right?
0: Uh, what is a skein? Oh, that's what they come in. Like the, 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 the rolls, you know, or the... The things that they're wound in when they sell them. So they come to you in a skein. Do they, you buy them by the skein.
1: So I have an image in my head. Because my mother used to knit, right? Okay. Um, and so, but I don't think she ever once talked about the beauty of yarn. <laughs> More like, here's <laughs> your mittens. Me leave me alone. Um, <laughs> so is it like in that sort of a tube shape kind of thing? It-, it
0: can be. Yeah. It can be like that. Or it can be like in a ball, which is also a skein.
1: Okay. All right. And yeah. so you you're gonna have to send me photos. Like-
0: I'll have to send you photos because some yarn is just so beautiful. It's just unbelievable. And especially when you look at like cashmere or alpaca or something like that, that's just so soft at the same time. But you knit it up and it gets itchy. So I don't, I like knitting because it gives me something to do. Uh, you know, it gives uh-huh. me a way to distract myself from the misery of the world. But, um, <laughs> but A, when I finish the product, it never looks good, in my opinion. And, and B, it never looks as good as the yarn looks in this game. So. I like buying skeins of yarn, but I haven't done it in a while because it's a big fat waste of money. I
1: I, I will for sure agree with you there because I have never heard of anybody collecting yarn. Like if oh, you yeah. had told me bubblegum wrappers, I, I could kind of see that because that's like <laughs> packaging and product. And so, all right, yarn.
0: I'm going to send you a skein of yarn that will Don't knock you your socks
1: off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it as a threat.
0: Your breath will be taken away by the beauty of this gorgeous skein of the yarn. Skein
1: of yarn. Oh it's... God.
0: And some of them are so expensive, like $80 or something, like just unbelievable. Uh, well, you
1: know, I I liter- this is something I just never knew about you. <laughs> you are certifiably insane.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you already knew that. I'm sure. That's no secret to anyone, including my coworkers
1: you talk to them about yarn i'm never gonna let this go this is
0: not yet but i should
1: this is please please do (laughs) this is my favorite happiness thing i have so many skits about the girl that talks about yarn hey guys how's your day been um well i don't know um I've,
0: yeah, so that's that's when I go to Sedona. I probably won't be buying yarn this time because I, I um been humiliated I don't need now. any more fucking yarn. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much yarn.
1: You know what's going to happen? You're going to send me a skein of yarn, and I'm going to be like, "Holy fuck, this
0: that's is right. gorgeous!" Then you're going to have to start knitting because you're going to think that it's going to knit up just as pretty as it is in the skein, and then you're going to find out it doesn't.
1: <laughs> no, I'll be forewarned right
0: through, <laughs> that's right your
1: wisdom but they will become my new pillows instead like that's instead right. of you're buying gonna, pillows you're gonna
0: have balls of yarn around the house
1: this podcast is endlessly fascinating
0: it is i know it's, it's all about me and i'm endlessly <laughs> fascinating <laughs> well that is true
1: that is very true
0: <laughs> so uh, happy birthday i'm very glad you've made it to the oh no please let's
1: forget about me and go back to yarn <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm glad I was able to supply some delicious cake Where James failed Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and some it cook. is so and good I, I, I sent you the um, The Elegance of the Hedgehog Which is one of my favorite books It's kind of iffy about whether you were going to enjoy that book or not You probably will never get around to reading it But I think you might enjoy it I really liked it
1: I've got it right here It was going to be my thank you at the end That, And the, I also have the The um, and I will mispronounce. Oh, sorry. I'm Moving very far away from the microphone. The Mercier <laughs> and, and Camier, Camier.
0: Mercier and Camier. Yeah, that that is a classic which you should read. It'll take you 15 minutes to read. So I love that book. It, th- that book is just. It means so much to me. And and I don't know cool. if you'll get that or not. But um, but it's 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 amazing. Is so it about it's, yarn? Like it, it's. An, I don't think yarn even yarn might come up, but I don't think it does.
1: Well, wow. well, okay, I for sure am reading that and I am in my reading chair
0: also awesome. in
1: my bedroom as we record because I have guests who are in the guest room and that's where my podcasting closet is. And so,
0: yeah. Uh, and you should tell everyone that you got that chair at a great discount. Um, <laughs> great it's discount. <laughs> a, it's a $1,500 pottery barn chair, which you found for like
1: $40, $40 in Goodwill. Amazing. Hi, thank you, Goodwill. And Oxyclean, because I had to like scrub the heck out of it with Oxyclean. Not because I was like, oh, it's from a thrift store, Ugh. But <laughs> <because> it was <laughs> filthy. It had.
0: Who knows whose dirty paws have been on this?
1: Oh, I know why they gave a white chair away because they have to spend all their time cleaning it. But really, um, yeah, I can't wait to sit in and read.
0: Um awesome. Oh, you know what I did yesterday? This no. is a little bit a little tiny bit of news. I went to um I drove to I won't say the name of the town, but it's like 40 miles away from here. It's the next closest town. This town that I'm in is like 1200 people and the town that I went to is even fewer people, I believe. But they have because it's on a highway, they have like a McDonald's and they have a Burger King and a Taco Bell and a Carl's Jr. and a Mexican restaurant, a couple Mexican restaurants. At a Dollar General, and they also have a um, a hot dog truck which has Sonoran hot dogs, and I have been hearing about Sonoran hot dogs for a while now, um, and I've been wanting to try one. They're hot dogs wrapped in bacon on a bun with um, chili and uh, what do you call it, guacamole, Ooh, nice. and sour cream and some other stuff. So I, when I drove by on my way here last weekend, I saw the hot dog truck, and I thought I need to go check this place out. And I did yesterday. I decided to go take a break from working Uh and uh, get a Sonoran hot dog. And I did. And it's a hot dog.
1: Oh, boo. It sounded like there were so many things around the hot dog itself that like they were disguising the fact there's a hot dog in it.
0: It's just a hot dog. It's a a hot dog with stuff on it. I mean, it was just not that. I mean, it was good. The the guacamole was really good. But um, a hot dog is a hot dog, man. I don't know what to tell you.
1: See, I'm not a big hot dog person. Um, Me I, maybe I guess like that's the problem. once a year, maybe yeah, at a picnic exactly. or whatever, with a lot of ketchup, and that's yeah. cool. But uh, <laughs> there was a place in L.A. called Okie Dog, which is long closed, and yeah. kind of the same thing was a hot dog and a burrito, but with like beans and, and guacamole. Burrito. Yeah, so and um, wow. I loved Okie Dog, but I only ever went there like drunk at three o'clock in the morning. And that's probably why I loved Okie Dog.
0: That's probably what Sonoran hot dogs are for, too, being drunk at three o'clock in the morning.
1: But you have to drive there. (laughs)
0: I drove there. I drove there for 40 minutes or whatever. And then I get there and I go in and well, actually, I get to the hot dog place and they're like, can you go inside the store and order this? And then I go inside the store and they're like, oh, you need to go over behind this other counter and ask for it. And nobody spoke English. Everybody spoke Spanish. It was like literally nobody spoke English. They would speak to me in Spanish and I would answer them in English and they understood. I mean, maybe they spoke English and they just didn't want to talk to me. Totally, totally understandable um but so i waited for like 20 minutes for this hot dog that i didn't particularly even enjoy but i did get to look around at all of the mexican foods that were there and they had so many flavors of fritos and and doritos that you would never imagine like chili and lemon and um extra extra spicy and all kinds of stuff it was really cool i got some chili and and, uh, lime chili and lime and it was uh fine
1: (laughs) (laughs) so let me get it right this town does nothing but disappoint and it's forty minutes away. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: but the McDonald's. Yep. So, but I was going to, um, I was going to drive even farther to the next town, which is near near Phoenix, um, Buckeye, which sounds about like what it is, and uh-huh. they have a Starbucks. But I didn't go. It was it would have been another hour to get there. So,
1: holy Christ, an hour for coffee. Um, I know, right? I mean, it's it's Starbucks that's the worst coffee. thing about
0: being here is that the coffee here sucks, and I I can't I basically can't have coffee while I'm here because any coffee I make sucks. Any coffee I buy here is gonna suck. It's a it's a sad desert town.
1: I'm glad you're there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's beautiful though. The mountains around it are gorgeous, and the desert is beautiful. So that part is really nice, and it's so quiet. Nobody but my neighbors bother me. Nobody but my next-door neighbor who's constantly asking me why I never leave the house (laughs) So anyway, maybe we should talk about an apology (laughs) Oh, well, all right,
1: yes Um, So we did re-release our Billie Eilish episode In part because you were driving, we had birthday things going on Brent was tied up um, So yay, we all all got a weekend off And then uh, it was also the Oscars coming up This weekend, as we recorded, will be this evening on Sunday, March 27th. Hooray. Um, And Billie Eilish's uh, song, No Time to Die, is up for best song. So cool. It felt like, all right, great. And now here we are talking about Jane Campion, who is also up for an Oscar, but then said some things and had to apologize.
0: Right. I didn't know Billie Eilish had a song up for an Oscar. That song sounds like it could be a Bond theme.
1: Oh, I th- it was a Bond theme.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, so,
1: see, the song did exactly what it was supposed to do, yes. and so hooray! It and she win. Uh, and yes, and oh, I think she'll win. I mean, I don't I think know I'm what back else she's to she's liking.
0: Billie Eilish.
1: I re-listened to our re-release,
0: re-broadcast Billie Eilish Yeah.
1: Podcast, yes, and I've got to say, I really, um, I'm. I'm kind of still on the fence, but she's tracking with what I expected to happen, which is a careful management of her public persona. Yeah. Um, and so it'll be quiet for a few years while she grows and matures right. and she'll just release some albums and watch she's going to like run down the street naked on fire. She could. Backing people in the face. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so um, so here we are, Jane Campion. What happened yeah, and Jane why? Campion,
0: she is a director, screenwriter, and producer from New Zealand. Um, she was actually the first woman to be nominated twice for the Academy Award for Best Director, and I think that was for the piano. She's also the first female filmmaker to receive the Palme d'Or for the piano, which was 1993. I can't believe that was 1993. That was I know. Before I moved to California.
1: I went to so the theater ago. to see the piano, and I drove I never myself. Saw it. In Ninety-three, Like, I was a full-functioning adult. How is that oh, possible?
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. Right? So long ago. Um, the piano also won her the Academy Award, Award for Best Original Screenplay. And an important item of note, which is not not um, important to this podcast, but I think is, is important to understanding her, is that she is the daughter of an heiress.
1: Yes. Yeah. I was very surprised to find that out. That's not a big part of—I mean, it's not a Wikipedia page, but— Not a big part of the narrative around Jane Campion.
0: Yeah. It's always like,
1: I'm a female director.
0: But I had a really big head start in getting there.
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, having said that, there are plenty of people with a ton of money who enter the arts and never do anything. So she she is truly a talent.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm not saying she's not talented. I'm just trying to think about people with a ton of money and all the things they can do with their spare well, time. How nice that would be.
1: You need a ton of money, right, to go pursue an art degree. Nobody- Pretty much. Few people get a liberal arts degree who don't have access to some level of privilege.
0: I think- I'm not going to argue with you. I think that may be true. I don't know. It would be interesting to see studies about that.
1: Uh, well, let's do that now.
0: Getting to college is hard enough um, for, for many people. And That's true. It, once you get to college, you got to pay for it. So there's that. If you get there on a scholarship, are you going to study liberal arts? I don't know. You might. You might. I did. But, did you have a scholarship? I did. I didn't know that. Congratulations. Yeah,
1: grants and scholarships, and I pickpocketed people, too, in order to yeah, get well, all the money. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We all did that. Um, and so the short answer is Yes. And then, um, you know, you you go into that knowing you're never going to make any money. The most you're going to be able to do is, like, teaching. But there's always right. the hope that, like, I'll be the next Jane Campion,
0: right, right, I'll, right. if I
1: go into film or whatever. Um, right. Anyway, completely side railed, but... So, yeah,
0: speaking of Jane Campion, (laughs) (laughs) two weeks ago today, on Sunday, March 13th, um, Jane won a Critics' Choice Award for Best Director for the movie Power of the Dog, which Wikipedia describes as a Western psychological drama. Now, I have not seen this movie. I might see this movie. I probably won't because I don't see much of anything. But have you seen it?
1: I have seen it. um, And I saw it for two reasons. One, because it was Jane Campion. And Mm -hmm. two... Because everybody was talking about Benner, Benner, that's not his name. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. Yeah. It's very hard for me to say. Um, And and the performance that he gave and just how outstanding it was. And I was like, oh, I kind of, I want to see that because I have very much an image in my head of what kind of role he typically plays. And so let me see him in something different. And I will say, excellent job. Amazing job.
0: So he plays in this movie kind of a creepy old dude, right?
1: Um, he plays... So so the story about the power of the dog is um, there's, there's a woman who works as a waitress in a, like, western town, but very frontier western town, right? Late 1800s, very gunslingery kind of thing. Uh, uh-huh. But she's got a certain measure of decorum and and feels like a hardworking 20th century, 21st century, single working mom, right? And she's got a kid who's a little quiet and keeps to himself and draws pretty pictures. And so, you know, big sissy boy is what they call him in the film. Oh. And um, and there's a guy, there's a family and they own a ranch and it's a big ranch and they're the most wealthy, important people in this uh, Western town. And two brothers- have inherited the ranch from their parents and one of the brothers falls in love with the waitress and marries her and becomes a stepdad to this son well he lives in the same house with his brother and his brother is kind of like the lead cowboy and his brother starts wow. making fun of the kid in front of all the other cowboys right and um the brother is jealous of the mother and so the brother starts making the mother's life holy hell. And he drives her to drink, right? Um, So she ends up becoming like a secret alcoholic. And it turns out, though, because it's all about secrets. Who's got secrets? It's a whole movie, right? Who's got secrets? And it turns out that while the kid might be gay, um, and probably is, uh, the brother is gay and Uh hiding it. So it's that classic homophobic move of, I'm going to make the gay person's life miserable so that nobody looks at me that way, right. right? So cool. Well, the kid goes away to college and he he comes back and he studied uh, biology, he wants to become a doctor. And um, I'm not going to give anything away here, but we're going to say that the the kid, we call him the kid, the son um, and the brother end up forming a... Friendship slash partnership. The brother starts to see like, oh, you know, this kid's kind of tough. He's putting up with all this bullshit for years. Um, and the the son discovers some dirty magazines that belong to the the brother, right? Of like They're
0: gay magazines. Yeah, right?
1: yeah, muscle guys like eighteen hundred. Yeah, uh, maybe it was early nineteen hundreds. But so so whatever. Um, the the son then ends up with some power over the. The brother, but because of like the gay thing, they they kind of bond and sort of end up becoming friendly with each other. And I've I'll have to stop there because I really don't want to spoil it. But I will say that um, I didn't see the end coming. Huh. I got it when it happened, and I was like, "Wow, really good." But the movie was a little long. It was sorry, Jane. Here I'm going to criticize your film, and then I'm going to criticize you. <laughs> um, a little long, a little draggy. Uh, I got a little bored with it. It, it. parts of it were uncomfortable to watch. It was the mom's secret drinking stuff because you just felt so bad for her, right. Um, and so so yeah, but a powerful film. I mean, it, at the end of the day. and that same kind of tonal quality that was present in the piano, uh, where it's just sort of like the the pressure of life and the need to conform. And how that can warp a person's experience in life? How those expectations can really be unfair, uh, and then how people break free of those expectations and find free. Blah 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 blah. So very arty, but but good.
0: I want to ask you a question. You may not know the answer to. How do you know if someone is a good director?
1: Ah, well, typically they win an Academy Award. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a, a good director is able to take a really shitty script where people say the most mundane things in the world and present present it in a way th- through encouraging the actors to deliver their, their lines with different um, different motivations. Uh-huh. right. So hi, how are you this morning? Most boring, mundane thing in the world, right? But okay. Now, you are saying that to your mother over the breakfast table, but imagine that your wife just died and you're turning to the man that killed her. That's how you're going to say, hi, how are you, to your mother, right? So a good director is able to get these subtle, um, I just used the word I wanted to use, these subtleties, these subtle overtones. (laughs) You don't have a subtle overtone, but... but (laughs) But you get the point. They're able to draw things out of a script, and then they're able to draw emotions out of the actors, I and see. then they're able to work with editors in such a way where they can say, I don't want a medium shot of her crying, and I don't want a close-up of her crying. I want an overhead shot of her. You know what I mean? It's like they they can really just direct.
0: Do people usually go to school to become direct. directors?
1: Um, yeah, well, they just direct. They do, but are probably one of the most famous directors, Steven Spielberg, was kicked out of film school, Long Beach. Hey, um, <laughs> uh, for I for know no, it wasn't for not being good, but he did get kicked out. Um, and huh. I forget the details around that. Um, huh. And it so, seems like
0: you'd have to have an understanding of the history of film in order to really know how to do some of that stuff, like well, what kind of shot would be appropriate, or you know, what, what's the background of all all types of su- such and such? That, how's it and, been used in the past, and what are you referring back to, and all that kind of thing. Well, I think,
1: uh, man, I would say you, if you have an innate understanding of storytelling, but you are right in that you have to have an understanding of film. So maybe you don't necessarily need to know what a medium shot is called or who invented the x y or z right but you just have a sense of like how to pace pictures and sound in a way uh-huh. that will lead people on an emotional journey that right. will be surprising or uplifting or sad right but the, but the idea is that every emotion has an intention and so at the end of it after you've gone through this roller coaster ride of emotions right you you walk out with a thought and right. that thought is something that you think about more. <laughs> <laughs> it's art. It's art. It just goes everywhere.
0: I love this podcast. Cause we get to talk about things and neither of us have any background in.
1: Right. And, and sound like, like the know experts. What talking
0: about. And and I'm like, I totally believe you. And all of this, it sounds perfectly fine. It makes absolute oh, sense. The, a you. thousand
1: percent. Um, I having lived in LA for yeah. nearly 30 years with nothing to do with the entertainment industry at all, it is what people talk about. It's in wow. the air, and you just pick this bullshit up. Like at San Francisco very techie. You probably understand so much about tech just from standing in line at a coffee shop or going to parties and the things people talk about.
0: Or right. For my job. Oh well,
1: I mean, yeah, you are. In the <laughs>
0: I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. I know, um,
1: but I forgot yeah. that that was your job. <laughs>
0: Um, so Jane, in her Critics' Choice Award, while well, winning her Critics' Choice Award um, for Best Director, as we were just talking about, for Power of the Dog, said, It's absolutely stunning to be here tonight among so many incredible women. And then she praised Halle Berry, who was an honoree as well. Um And then she turned to Venus and Serena Williams, who uh, have their story told in the film King Richard, for which Will Smith won Best Actor, and said, What an honor to be in the room with you. I've taken up tennis. I truly have. And Will, if you want to come over and give me lessons, I would truly love it. I actually had to stop playing because I've got tennis elbow. For like, what? Who cares? And this whole thing, this annoyed me before she even got to the part that was really annoying. (laughs) Like, who cares if you've taken up tennis? Why are you asking Will Smith to give you tennis lessons when Venus and Serena Williams are in the room? I mean, they're not going to give you lessons because they've got better things to do with their time. but, But why are you asking Will Smith, of all people? And then who gives a shit that you've got tennis elbow? This has got nothing to do with anything. But anyway, she went on to say, Venus and Serena, you're such marvels. However, you don't play against the guys like I have to. And social media had a fit. Of course, because Venus and Serena have earned multiple titles in mixed doubles competitions, playing, of course, against men. But even if that weren't the case, what is the point of a comment like that? Why, when you have a platform, because you won an award, would you want to use it to pull someone else down?
1: Well, so I did watch that clip of her beaking, right? Yeah. And and I could feel like her... I. Like I got what was happening. She was just very in the moment and and she probably didn't really know what she was going to say. And then she saw Venus and Serena and she was like, oh, wow, here are these two tennis legends. And um, oh, okay, great, got it. I'm going to compare their, uh, my inability to play tennis where they are stars, right? And contrast that against what I actually do and why I'm up here, which is I'm here to get this award uh, for directing, and and I think you know it was was it a backhanded compliment? I, it, she I could tell that she meant to say something nice to them, right? Yeah. And and it didn't happen. Uh, yeah. But in the room, people applauded, and and uh, and people of color applauded. Right. So there was not this uh, immediate knee jerk reaction of people in the room being like, oh my God, how could you say something like that? You horrible person. Uh, right. However, uh, I think it was uh, Serena Williams had a look on her face, uh, kind of became a meme for a while, um, where it was like she was smiling, but you could tell she was only doing it to be polite. Oh. Yeah, so it it was foot and mouth. That's all that happened. Uh, a wealthy white woman put her foot in her mouth. Uh, oops! But it, it does get onto bigger things. Uh, clearly,
0: well, Serena Williams has, has actually said. Um, no matter how far we come, we get reminded that it's not enough, and that must have been her response to what Jane Campion said. I mean, it's it's like that. She's just saying, "Well, you, you sure you got this great um, career, but you haven't played against men." It's just, I think it's got to be frustrating for for both of them. I know that it seems like they've forgiven her and they're not mad at her, and and maybe she had Jane Campion had good intentions, but the whole thing was just cringe.
1: Oh, it, it's very cringe, right? And so. It- for me, because I can take this back to 1993 if Jane <laughs> Campion had said that exact same thing in that exact same situation, and we would not be talking about Venus and Serena Williams, right? We would be talking about gender in- inequality and how it's unfair that female directors have to compete against male directors, but female actors don't compete for best actor against men, right? You have a female best actor category and a male best actor category. I think they
0: should compete against men. I think it should be equal across the board. I think every, everyone should compete on the same playing field. And I think that actually in sports too, which is probably probably wrong, but maybe not. Um, but I think well, everyone should play against everyone else.
1: Everybody should play to the best of their abilities. And it should be about one's ability and not about one's yeah. gender, right? Yeah. And But, you know, at the same time, Hollywood is an old boys club um directors are largely male because it's a boys club and, and and yeah so it did this this whole situation did start me thinking about the filter through which we are today like w- we the culture we white people me I've been yeah. handed this new filter to look at things through and and it's It's interesting because it's, it seems so obvious now, but at the same time, it's like, well, I lived through that. I was an adult and, and it felt obvious then too, but we were just missing all this stuff. So, um, so the, the Williams sister, I think
0: that's your perspective as a white male. I think it's different for women and black people.
1: Oh, I mean, absolutely. Right. Um, and so, and I, and, and we'll see where we land with this, but I, but I, it, it, for me, it's a, well, for me. Um, it's a, an interesting thing is happening in our culture. So right now we are re looking at, um, people who were maligned in the nineties and seeing their stories in a different light and understanding how sexism and misogyny painted them as the villains. So I will present you Lorena Bobbitt, who was, Uh um, you know, a victim of domestic abuse And in a very unhappy, controlling marriage, who one night just had enough and attacked her husband with a knife and famously cut off his penis and then drove away and threw it out a window, right? Yeah. And and nobody ever once during that period thought of her as like, oh, this poor woman, this reaction that she's had to this extreme. No, it was like, she is a crazy, evil person. Um, Isn't she terrible? And then Tanya Harding, right, um, who's had a little bit of a of a mm-hmm. re-emergence, I guess is the word I could use. Uh, but her story is being re-examined. And, well, sure, she was cast as a villain, but she was also cast as a villain because she's from a different class of people yeah. than typically participated in ice skating, right? And so that same filter where where we can pick it up and look at Tanya Harding or look at Lorena Bobbitt and see them as victims as well. Right. Yeah. You did this thing. Okay. But you were also a victim. Um, We're now able to do that with uh, things like Jane Campion and what she has said about Venus and Serena Williams. Um, Once upon a time, her remarks would have, gone straight to gender inequality, race would have never become a part of it. So I I don't say that this is a bad filter. I think it's, I think it's wonderful, um, but it is also interesting to me that um, as a culture, we're able to see things more holistically, more... Nuanced? More nuanced. Yeah, yeah. We're able to pull other things into it. Yeah. Um, and so what, what I would say would be um, Holly Berry at the Critics' Choice Awards this year received an award for um, See Her. It was the See Her Award. And it's given to women who push boundaries, right? And Holly Berry acceptance speech was really what Jane Campion should have given, right? And so I will now give Holly Berry's acceptance speech. Okay. And you're welcome in advance. (laughs) She's talking about women. We will use our emotional intelligence and we will tell stories that don't fit preconceived notions. No, we will tell stories that see us fully in all our multitudes and contradictions because we are confident and we are scared. We are vulnerable and we are strong. We are beautiful and we are abused. We are everything and all of that and all at the same time. Because if we deny our complexity, then we deny our humanity. We won't always be pretty and we will never be perfect. But what we will be is honest and true, no matter how uncomfortable that makes you. These are stories that we have to fight to tell. These are the stories that the world needs to see So to every little girl who feels unseen and unheard, this is our way of saying to you, we love you and we see you, and you deserve every good thing in this world. What a gorgeous speech, right? And I would say it applies to Jane Campion sticking her foot in her mouth behind a microphone. Uh. She is an intelligent, smart, accomplished woman, and also... Said something incredibly fucking stupid and incredibly insulting.
0: Oh, I think that's an interesting speech from Halle Berry. I don't, I don't think it's particularly. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what the word would be. I'm looking for applicable. I don't think it's no, no. I don't think it's particularly deep. I mean, we hear this a lot. You know, we're we're this and we're that and we're that and that that we're this and um, I think it kind of gives people the if if you're going to use it. If you're going to apply it to uh, Jane Campion, then you're kind of giving Jane Campion you're kind of letting her off the hook.
1: Uh-huh. Well,
0: uh huh. Well, and and I don't think I don't think she should be let off the hook. I mean, I, I I guess I say that at the same time that I am a flawed person and I would like to be let off the hook for all the things that I do wrong. But um, oh, like what? I I, I think. Name on, a, on the other hand, one thing my, you've ever my, done my, wrong. By not letting Jane Campion off the hook, we're not damaging her in any way. She's not. She's never going to be affected by anything that I say. So I think it's okay. Um, and and I think that even if people criticize her in the media, it's not going to damage her very much. So um, so we should go ahead and call out people where they need to be called out. Oh, for the absolutely. Of everybody.
1: Right. Right. But again, with this filter and, and holistically, right? Also understand right. like where people are coming from. And not so much intention because intention doesn't excuse, but, um, you know, well, I mean, let's see, cause I don't, th- I don't think I can say this great, big, beautiful package that I have in my brain. That's all wrapped up with a big bow on it that just ties everything together. I can't say it in a sentence. I have yeah. to say it in an entire four th- 30 minutes in our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I hear what you're saying and You know, so sort of like, oh, what what is it that that Jane Campion did um, for those of our younger listeners? What she did when she said, hey, Venus and Serena, you don't have to compete against men the same way that I do is she one, she completely discounted their achievements. But two, she also discounted the fact that they are black and they struggle in ways that Jane Campion does not. Just getting onto a tennis court when they were children, right? And so the reason that Venus and Serena were in the room was uh, there's a biopic that's up for-
0: King Richard. uh, I
1: think, oh, it's Will Smith is up for Best Actor, right? Yeah. And Will Smith uh, is the only person of color who's up for Best Actor this year, right? Oh, wow. And Jane Campion- is the only woman who is up for director. Now, I'm, I'm going to take us back a little bit to this, to this point of reimagining people's, not reimagining, um, not re, well, it's kind of reinterpreting, but taking villains and seeing them not necessarily as entirely. Is villainic a word? Villainous. A what a word? Villainic.
0: Oh, uh, sure. Why not? Sure.
1: <laughs> it's my podcast and your podcast what too. Else? If you agree, then it's a word. No, but. <laughs> So their dad was seen as this horrible man who forced his daughters to play tennis, right? Yeah. And and maybe even perceived as abusive, right? He was going to force them to become tennis stars. He didn't know anything about tennis himself, right? Well, now this biopic does not see him as this villainous man who is forcing his daughters to become tennis stars because he oh, wants really? to be rich. It's seeing that him as a as a loving father who is demanding excellence of his daughters, but also letting them know that like they're deserving of excellence. And yeah. they can give it to themselves, right? So this is a a reinterpretation of the past viewpoint of Richard Williams where, oh, abusive, horrible dad. Now the champion of his, of his daughter's strength. Right. Huh. And, and I would put him now in the same category as Lorena Bobbitt and uh, Tanya Harding, which is, oh, this horrible person that everybody shit on who okay, now we're seeing him in more of a holistic way. Um, there was a beautiful it's sort of not connected, but it is, there was this really beautiful thought piece in the New York Times on March 16th by a writer named Wesley Morris who is a black uh, art critic and the reason I mentioned his race is that he talks about being black and being discounted in the arts, right? And and he the piece is short and he talks about going to an art gallery and looking at a black artist, uh, Faith Rheingold, uh, work, and standing in front of a very large mural, right? And two white women come and stand in front of them having a very loud conversation about real estate, and he asked them to move, and they turned to him and said, oh, you have our deepest apologies. We are so sorry. And they stood there for a few moments and then moved, Right. And his view was sort of entitled white women not even appreciating the work and effort of a black artist or of a black patron, right? And, and I do wonder if those white women would have, you know, what their interpretation of that situation was, was this a man telling them what space they can and cannot occupy, right? Um, either way. Uh, he concludes his piece, and again, it was, it's, a, it's a really, really interesting thought piece, uh, and he concludes it, uh, and He's again, talking about Venus and Serena. Um, Even though Campion's errant backhand had flown wide, the room lurched into cheers. Some of the applause came from Serena Williams, who has watched many a shot sail long. I had to desist further... Um, thought about the meaning of campions aside. It was too confused. Was this a wish for the establishment of gendered guardrails for directors at award shows or the elimination of such distinctions in sports? Are there no men to be contended with in tennis? The line separating this argument from accusation and from self-aggrandizement was murky. I thought instead about the cost of the murk. Sunday afternoon, the Williamses got dressed up to celebrate some art and somebody stood before them and challenged the validity of their membership, here in Campion's restricted vision of sisterhood. The next day, Campion gushed an apology. These slips and slights and presumptions have a way of lingering, though. Their underlying truth renders them contrition-proof. These incidents aren't rare in fancy land, and therefore don't warrant a constant spotlight, because standing in its glare is exhausting. But Venus... Her face does something as Campion speaks, a knowing cringe. She and her family came out to soak up more of the praise being lavished on art about their life. They were invitees turned suddenly into interlopers, presenting one minute, plunged through a trap door the next. Faith Rheingold would recognize the discomfort. She painted it over and over. Run, you might get away, but you probably won't and Run You Might Get Away is the title of uh, one of Gold's pieces that, uh, that Mr. Wesley was standing in front of, Mr. Morris, sorry, Wesley's first name, was standing in front of when the two white women got in front of him and, um, you know, disregarded him. And so, you know, um, yeah, and I'm making this very much two sides to every story, and I don't mean to do that. I'm, I'm more just about this this holistic filter that the culture now has handed us or th- now we can appreciate nuance or maybe it's just now black voices are heard and matter.
0: Well, I think, I think that's legitimate. And, um, Jane Campion herself, um, kind of defended or defended, kind of, uh, stood up for certain people. Um, when she talked about the, um, Sam Elliott's comments on the uh, yeah. on Power of the Dog. So, um, what he said at, at the um, I don't know where he said it, but when she was oh, at the it was, uh,
1: WTF podcast. Oh, it was? Yeah, (laughs) it was a podcast.
0: (laughs) It was a podcast. It was a very big podcast. (laughs) Um, But at the Director's Guild Awards, she kind of snarked at his criticism of her movie. He had said, where's the Western in this Western? I took it fucking personal, pal. And then complained about everything from the way Benedict Cumberbatch uh, wore chaps in the movie to the fact that the movie was shot in New Zealand. And he went on to say, they're all running around in chaps and no shirts. There's all these allusions to homosexuality throughout the fucking movie. Um, And uh, Campion said... I'm sorry. He was being a little bit of a B-I-T-C-H. He's not a cowboy. He's an actor. The West is a mythic space, and there's a lot of room on the range. I think it's a little bit sexist. Now, I don't know why she chose the word sexist as opposed to homophobic. Maybe she just said the wrong thing, but um, maybe maybe it is sexist and I'm missing it. But um, those comments that she made that got her a lot of positive attention on social media before she made the comments about Venus and Serena.
1: Right. And I, I was a little bit uh, like... Oh, wow. Um, Jane, you called it, you know, a bitch is sort of like, I mean, fine, you know, go ahead and use that word. But
0: yeah, Yeah. that's a good point. uh, Yeah, I I thought of that.
1: I wish you hadn't. But uh, I I liked your point about, um, you know, the West is a mythic space and there's plenty of room on the range for lots of different stories. And, you know, for sure, I, I, got that. Um, Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, Sam Elliott, very Trumpy to me. So whatever he has to say, I don't know that he is, but I think that he is. I I think he's a a little, a lot Trumpy, but Uh, I could maybe Google that, but eh, I'd rather just blame him. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's easier just to hate him.
0: <laughs> I really liked him in um, that movie with Jeff Goldblum. God, what movie was that? Um, it, everyone's screaming the name of it at me, uh, but I'll think of it later. But um, so I'm disappointed to hear that he's Trumpy. But uh, well, now
1: I'm, I have to. Now I have to. Sam it Elliott. Wasn't Jeff Trump. Goldblum.
0: Either it was. It was not Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> oh God! Uh, it was the movie with John Goodman. the, the really big one. The dude. Oh, the dude, yeah.
1: Uh, um, okay, no, take it back. Uh, he he supported Joe Biden.
0: Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, okay. good. I don't feel bad then.
1: All right. Yeah. So yeah. no. So he. So hey, Sam. It looks like I owe you an apology for thinking you were Trumpy. But you know, it's the homophobia and the misogyny and the yeah, xenophobia. Yeah, that's want
0: to believe. You're a little Trumpy. Yeah. But what's what's you, what's your problem there, Sam Elliott?
1: Because uh, he had he had an issue with. Uh, Jane Campion being a woman, directing a Western, sort of like, Ugh. oh, you don't have any, you have no need to be here, little lady. And then also, <sighs> she's from New Zealand, so what does she know about the Wild West? Hi, do you know anything about the history of New Zealand? Right. Um, hi, yeah, it was a little Western down there, too. Haven't you seen The Piano? Me. That was the whole thing about the t- movie. Um, so
0: he may be a Biden supporter, but he's an idiot.
1: Uh, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, okay, so in that way that, um, oh, my brain just shut off, Jane Campion kind of discounted Venus and Serena. She is getting a taste of her own medicine, and that's not a good thing. I'm not happy for this, right? So, um, in the New York Post, there's a piece that uh, some members of the Academy are saying that Jane Campion is going to win Best Director, and the reason why is the Oscars are not going to nominate another white male for best director when there's a single female in the same category, right? Uh, And uh. so they're going to give the prize to her because she's a woman, which completely discounts all of her efforts. But here, let me read this to you. Um, The Power of the Dog director, Jane Campion, stuck her foot in her mouth with her comments about tennis legends, Venus and Serena Williams, at the Critics' Choice Award on March 13th. But... Insiders told The Post she still will win an Oscar on Sunday because the Academy of Motion Pictures of Arts and Sciences is determined to give the award to a woman. If the director of CODA, um, which is that movie about uh, a hearing girl and a family of of deaf people, if the director of CODA had been nominated, Jane might be in trouble, said one of the Oscar voters, a female director, uh, I think it's Sian, S-I-A-N? Sian? Cyan, cyan. Header. Um, that's probably her name. Oh, S
0: I A N. Yeah.
1: Is it Sean? Sean? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's Irish spelling. Listen, Ireland. I think it's Sean. Um. Uh, but Sean wasn't so Campion's fine. Echoed a second voter, not giving it to the only woman out of five directors would be a much bigger non-PC statement than what Campion did. Now, this sort of like, um, oh, you're only getting it because you're a woman is also the same um, thing that's happening for Will Smith. Oh, you're only getting it because you're black. And right. so it seems like people really like to discount the efforts of others or, yeah. or reduce people to. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's. Jane Campion could be getting this because it was a very good film. Um, I mean, it almost could have been directed by a man.
0: (laughs) 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 Thank you for laughing.
1: I was like, oh, my God, if she doesn't laugh, I'm in so much trouble.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You had such a straight face when you said it, too.
1: That was what made it even funnier. (laughs) And it's true. Um, So... So, yeah. So, Campion's going to win, hopefully, probably. Um, She will be one of only three women in the entire 97 years Uh. of the history of the Oscars to win for Best Director. Um, And we will have to thank (sighs) Catherine Bigelow for Breaking That Barrier in 2010 for The Hurt Locker. Uh, Chloe Zhao last year For Nomadland And I'm very sorry about uh, What I said about how that film got boring Um, But (laughs) it it kind of did Uh, But it also I haven't
0: seen any of those films
1: like Like I said way back when Nomadland did reframe Trump supporters For me and gave me an understanding Of them It did what movies are supposed to do Uh, It allowed me to see things in a different way that got through my own barriers and my own filters and allowed me to think and empathize. And even though I might not necessarily agree with everything and Sam Elliott, here's an idea for you. Maybe you could watch uh, Power of the Dog and instead of being like, why are all these Chippendale dancers running around with their shirts off? (laughs) Instead say, gosh, it must have been really hard to be a gag cowboy. Right? Yeah. Or, oh gosh, it's really hard to be different. I I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But
0: good points.
1: But yeah, you know, and so we've, we've got this filter and we all need to use it to look at ourselves. There, there's my package. <laughs> I did it. Right for me.
0: <laughs> you wrapped that up nicely. Thank you.
1: You are welcome. And America is welcome too.
0: <laughs> Wave a little flag. Um, I used to have a teacher in the. In, uh, 12th grade or whatever, who was an AP American history teacher. And he would, um, whenever anybody said something like that, like, America, such and such is good for the world and good for America, he would draw a little American flag on the paper next to the comment that the person had written. So uh, as a joke, like, you know, saying, Uh you're waving the flag. So I Uh thought that was funny.
1: Was that Dr. Hill?
0: No, uh, it was some dude who I don't remember his name. Fred somebody.
1: Oh, I have. Yep. Wow. You know your teacher's first name. Oh, I guess I knew Emily Warner. Oops. Yeah, I could say her name. (laughs) (laughs) I knew her first name. (laughs) She was a great teacher.
0: Yeah. The reason that we're here um, is because Campion apologized. Oh, Yes. yeah. <laughs> so let's let's talk about her apology. She said on March fourteenth, the day after she made her original comment, as Theo said, um, she said, "I made a thoughtless comment equating what I do in the film world with all that Serena Williams and Venus Williams have achieved. I did not intend to devalue these two legendary Black women and world class a- world class athletes. The fact is, the Williams sisters have actually squared off against men on the court and off, and they have both raised the bar and opened doors for what is possible for women in this world." The last thing I would ever want to do is minimize remarkable women. I love Serena and Venus. Their accomplishments are titanic and inspiring. Serena and Venus, I apologize and completely celebrate you. So responses on social media were not particularly appreciative. Um, uh, entrepreneur Issa Watson said, Jane Campion is what you get when you have a li- live a life of unchecked privilege, mm-hmm. less interested in apology, and more interested in why her brain thought it was okay to make the statement in the first place. And Jodie Turner-Smith, who is an actress that I don't know, which means nothing, she attended the event with her husband, Joshua Jackson, who I also don't know, with also means nothing, tweeted, Jane taking time out of her Best director's speech to tell two black women that she is more oppressed with them is peak white feminism.
1: Yeah, I gotta say.
0: Yeah, you can't argue with that. And, and really, there, there's, there's no reason for Campion to make a comment like that in the first place, except to elevate herself and her achievement by putting someone else down. It was completely unnecessary besides being inaccurate.
1: exactly right and and again the move was and 20 years ago this would have been the move it would have been oh wow yeah it is hard for a female director in this industry oh wow women versus men um yeah but that that is what she did she diminished somebody else's accomplishment in order to elevate her own
0: and i may be right that it would have been different 20 years ago but I have to say that that is one of my pet peeves people saying what it would have been like 20 years ago or 30 years ago because I don't think that they really know and yeah. when I look back on when I look back on where I was 20 years ago I often come up with something different than what the people are saying would have happened 20 years ago so I think maybe oh, of course I'm right and everyone else is wrong I guess that's my point
1: <laughs> well I will not be the one to tell you that you were wrong <laughs>
0: There, you would yeah. <laughs> bring the subject up. <laughs> I <laughs> so did. You're talk... wrong. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the apology. What do we think about her apology?
1: I, I mean, I love Jane Campion. I love that she's artistic and thoughtful, and that she brings something to film that's kind of missing. Right, um, big idea. She's not afraid to be artistic. It's the weakest weakest I mean it's for me it's a 3.5
0: 3.5 yeah okay so I think she says she was thoughtless but I think her comment was worse than thoughtless I think it was definitely thoughtless but I think that just shows how insidious racism is among white people yep so racism of course is a expression of deep beliefs that are that someone has but may not necessarily have considered and that's why they still have them but obviously I like to think if they considered them they would think differently um but thoughtlessness is not an excuse for a racist comment, but the opposite, So, in my opinion. And and there wasn't even any acknowledgement of racism in her statement. She didn't say that her statement was racist. It was maybe alluded to in the mention that the Williams sisters are black, but I think she should have apologized for the racism and sexism in her statement. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that her comment, the last thing I would ever want to do is minimize remarkable women is obviously false, as that was the only purpose of her comment, as far as I can tell. And I think that the statement was as thoughtless as the comment and that the Williams sisters deserve better. So I give it a three out of 10. And I only give it three points because she said that their accomplishments are titanic and inspiring, which is true.
1: The the part that really irks me in this, other than it's kind of a, I like the word milk toast for this, but I think that's just <laughs> because she's British. It's a milk toast apology. Um, it's where she ends saying, I apologize and completely celebrate you. Yeah, we don't need you to celebrate them. You, I apologize. Full stop.
0: Yeah, sufficient.
1: Right. Um, I I was there's so many, and and you've won awards for screenwriting, so we know you know how to write. So maybe what you do is. <laughs> and mind you, I say this as somebody who's a writer who sits down in front of a microphone and opens his mouth, right? This I could write this podcast, it would be a very different thing.
0: Right, right. But
1: it's because you can put it down on paper and then come back to it and then yeah. say, don't make that joke, right? Yeah. Um, so she should have sat down and she should have written something out. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe quietly reach out and apologize to Venus and Serena don't need your apology and don't care. You're just another person who's diminished them because of their color and yeah. their sex. Fine. They're, and you know, sadly, they're probably used to it, uh, but they've triumphed over it. Hooray. Um, and, you know, I mean, but uh, I don't know. Again, it's just, it's this filter because Jane Campion's going to get a, a ton of shit for winning an award tonight. I mean, hopefully she wins. Right. And that shit is going to be, well, you want it because you're a woman at the end of the day and, oh, the world's so PC now. Right. Um, Right. Which completely diminishes her work and puts her in the same uh, situation that uh, she, I'll say inadvertently, but I think you raise a really good point, which is racism is so insidious. It's just hard. It's it's not hardwired into our brains in terms of biology. It's hardwired right. into our brains because okay. the culture we grew up in. Yeah. Exactly. We were trained right. We're trained to think that way, um, and it's just it's automatic. Okay. And and when you catch it, um, you should call it out. And and she doesn't do that. And I get it because you know nobody wants to jump up and say I said something racist.
0: Yeah, we're on the same page. Unless it was Um, funny. (laughs) And uh, we give it a 3.25, that apology. So, um, sorry, Jane Campion, you may be a great director, but you're not a great apologizer. No!
1: (laughs) As say we, the Academy Awards of Apologies.
0: That's right. That's what we are, really. I mean, who else would be? Nobody else is with, doing this. There's, there's no one else doing this. So it's just us. All right. So Theo, who's sorry now? Um, or do you have an apology expected?
1: Um, I, oh God, I have, you know what? I'm going to go with an apology expected. Okay. I, I originally had said I have a who's sorry now where um, it's not really a very good one. I got real drunk at a Christmas party at a friend's house and they had a piano and it covered under a bunch of, stuff. And I made them move all this stuff so that I could sit down and do a performance, a concert performance, right? (laughs) Because I thought it was gonna be really funny to get everybody around the piano and then play horribly because I don't know how to play, right? Oh my God. Um, And it was, but I sure acted like I knew what I was doing. And anyway, everybody thought it was funny. It's not an apology. Um, So I would say that every Republican on the Judiciary Committee... Uh, This last week owes an apology to I don't know that I would can say Justice Brown yet, because I think justice is only for the Supreme Court. But uh, Judge Brown, you know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You guys, it's beyond disgusting. Just just, you know, I mean, and it's intentional. Right. Like, they yes. know they're being racist. Asking for somebody's LSAT scores, right? Yeah. Please. I'd like to see Kavanaugh's. If we're, if yes. we're going to do that, let's do that, right? By yes. the way, I'd also like to do blood alcohol readings at random.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: And I'll pick the day. Oh, I guess that's what random would be. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Random means you don't pick the day. You
1: do it so random. that's my right. my right. apology expected is for... That's
0: a good one. I not like it. only behavior. We're not going to get an apology. Intentional but I racism. I think there should be one. Oh, I'll bet yeah. you like
1: 20 years from now, it'll be... I didn't oh, have maybe. the whole... The, the I can't think of the word that's wholesome. What's the... Not a wholehearted. What's the... Holistic. Huh? That's it. Oh,
0: holistic. Yeah. Thing, yeah.
1: It's because it starts... I just never... With a W. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could go through every fucking word.
0: <laughs>
1: with what which why what? okay and what about you apology expected or who's sorry now
0: I have an apology expected and it's a, it's a future, I guess they all are future apology expected. But, um, so the thing that's going to happen that is going to deserve an apology in the future is that, uh, this company called Waymo has self-driving cars and they're going fully driverless in San Francisco. So it's been testing these cars with safety drivers sitting behind the wheel since 2009, but they're going to get rid of the safety drivers at some point. They haven't said when, um, but they're going to get rid of the safety drivers and and just have the cars driving themselves around the streets of San Francisco. So there's going to be an apology coming for that. I tell you. Oh, it
1: sounds totally safe. I can't imagine anything ever great. going wrong.
0: Right? So these cars have actually been fully driverless in Phoenix suburbs since 2018, which I was surprised to, to hear, including Chandler, Tempe, Mesa, and Gilbert. Um, they use, like I said, they use backup drivers, uh, but some some drivers in, in these areas do um, are fully driverless. And a CNBC reporter wrote about taking one of these driverless cars and mentioned that the car parked in fire lanes and also came to a screeching halt for a pedestrian at one point when it was only going seven miles an hour. So... <laughs> Perhaps not um, not technology that's ready to be unleashed upon San Francisco where people are crazy and drivers are crazy and pedestrians are crazy and bicyclists are everywhere. So, um, unfortunately, there's probably going to be an apology for that pretty soon.
1: Oh, there's going to be a death.
0: I hope not, but
1: yeah, there should Yeah, there is. Be apology that's what else. the apology yeah. is going to be for. We're really sorry yeah. that we killed that person with our driverless car. Our we driverless thought it was such car. a good idea.
0: Can you believe it? It's you know what, though? It's so unpredictable. This
1: is exactly what my great-grandparents were saying about the, the horseless carriage.
0: Uh, <laughs> it might be. Well, they, actually, they really? weren't wrong,
1: though, now that I think about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, things have, things have changed, man. All right. What else have we got? Anything?
1: No, we don't have it. Well, we have the Oscars tonight. So uh, my up. prediction, Jane Campion will win because she's the only woman. Uh, and then Will Smith will win because he is a great actor and a man.
0: <laughs> All right. Sounds fair. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, we'll everybody. see you next week live, so to speak, <laughs> um, on the air, as always. Bye. Goodbye.